Yesterday was Father's Day. A lot of you got to celebrate it. DJ didn't have a biological child, but he took care of mine like it was his. He didn't get to celebrate. My son couldn't even stand out here because he hurt. You can go home and hug your son. He can't hug DJ no more. He can't call him up for advice. He was a good man. Yes, he had a criminal past from 2008, like y'all never done anything before. His past don't define the person that he was. He was a loving husband, a brother who took care of all his sisters and brothers. He was a good friend. He left his grandmother, his mother, anybody on Price Street, where he came up from. He was a great person. Y'all are lying in y'all reports. That man didn't have a gun when you shot him. We saw the tape. You shot him in his back while he was running away because he was afraid for his fucking life. But y'all don't care. Y'all standing up here with smug faces because you get to go home to your family. But we are hurt. We are citizens. We pay our taxes. We live right. DJ has not done anything wrong. You killed this man in cold blood and you protected that officer. Ryan Powell bring your ass out here and get your ass to jail. Because that's the safest place for you on these streets right now. That's the safest place for you. You took a good man. You took a good man. Fuck Ryan Powell I just want justice for my son. My son didn't deserve this. He was a good kid. He worked. He wasn't a street person. He didn't deserve this. He didn't deserve to be shot in the street like a piece of shit, a piece of meat or something. I just want justice. I want this cop served. Like if I shot a cop in the back, I would be locked up. And I want this cop locked up, something done to him. I'm Flood the Drummer, and you're listening to Drumming for Justice. What's up, everybody? I'm Flood the Drummer, and it's September 11th, 2018. This is day two in a week-long look at the tragic events of June 8th, 2017, the day Ryan Pownow shot and killed David Jones. Yesterday, we reflected on the witnesses' contributions to the movement and discussed how he and his children ended up in the car with Mr. Pownow in the first place, Twitter user at Mama Turussi responded to the episode. Here's what she had to say. I just want to know, is there some kind of civil case for this little boy? I, I mean, I can only imagine the trauma. Like, I haven't even heard the rest of the story and what he witnessed, but it seems like this family should be owed something as well. Terrence, the adult eyewitness, was in the back of the police SUV with his two young children, one of whom had just survived an abduction and was expected at the special victims unit. Mr. Pownow, then a police officer assigned to the 15th police district who was transporting the witness and his children, had another idea. He saw David Jones on his dirt bike and said, look at this motherfucker. He then pursued him and later shot and killed him as he fled. This is the story of a reckless actor in a deadly shooting. Aki Raw, good afternoon. Welcome back to Drumming for Justice. Yo, good afternoon. What up, Flood? How are you, my friend? Well, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Chilling. So we got some good feedback on yesterday's show about the witness. We even got one voice message from our friend on Twitter at Mama Turussi and said that uh, the family of the witnesses owed something from the city. And I, I, I agree with her. Absolutely. We've been saying that since day one. Hopefully. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we talked yesterday, as, as uh, listeners may or may not know, 
uh, Ike and I are embarking upon a week-long uh, look at the tragic events of June 8th, uh, 2017. That is the day uh, that Ryan Pownow, a former uh, Philadelphia police officer assigned to the 15th District, shot and killed David Jones while he fled. On Monday, we gave an in-depth look at the witness uh, and what uh, transpired, how he got into the car and the circumstances that led up to it. And we ended that podcast uh, at right at the uh, uh, altercation of when uh, David Jones and Ryan Pownar were about to engage. And so today, we're going to pick up on that. Uh, as we did yesterday, we're going to use the grand jury presentment to help guide this conversation. And so, Ike, we're going to jump right into it. I'm looking at page five of the grand jury presentment. I want to start there. Um, it says, Pownar walked towards Jones. And again, we're starting now that we know that, that, you know, the witness was in the car. They were supposed to be transported to SVU, as Ike said yesterday, where the incident happened between Mr. Jones and Mr. Patton. I was about 40 seconds from the SVU where they were trying to get to. Uh, they pulled, uh, Ryan Patton, I pulled up next to David Jones while he was uh, in a parking lot uh, right on the sidewalk. And that's where we're going to start today. So the grand jury presentment, number 17, under testimony, it says, Pownow walked towards Jones in his back seat and said, I'm taking your shit. Uh, goes on to say, witness six was driving south on Whitaker Avenue with his two young children in a back seat of an red Acura uh, when Pownow's SUV cut across his lane of traffic. Now, we've known about other witnesses, but none were as key as Terrence. None were in the back seat, some were just uh, those who were riding by. As this presentment shows, witness six slowed down before reaching the light uh, at Huntington Park and Whitaker Avenue. From his vantage point, he repeatedly looked over his shoulder and watched the confrontation between Jones and Pownow. Uh, witness six saw Jones try to walk his stalled bike away from Pownow, saw Pownow grab Jones, and they began to tussle. Now, Ike... What I'm about to read next is one of the most interesting pieces uh, in this case that really has flown on the radar is something that uh, Terrence has said to me a couple times when, when describing the scene, but it's the first time I've read this from another witness. He said he observed that when Jones tried to get away, Pownow pulled his gun and put it to the back of Jones's head. Jones continued to attempt to get away, finally broke free from Pownow on ran. So even before the shooting, before all this, the, 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 the shooting and before the running, Pownow had took his gun out and put it to the back of Jones's head. That's not something we read a lot about in the mainstream, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. What do you think about when you hear that fact? I mean, it's, I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm quite sure a lot, a lot of other things happened that, you know, maybe Terrence or the other witness didn't see that this killer was trying to do at that time. I'm, I'm not definitely not surprised. What does it tell you about Pownow that he pulled this gun out? That's what I was right? about to say. You know what I mean? What does that tell yeah. you about him? That just shows you the aggressiveness in him, the anger in him, the mm. total disrespect for his badge, for his job and everything, for him to just pull a gun out immediately and put it to a man's head just to let mm. you know, look, I'm going to kill you. You don't mm -hmm. put a gun in somebody's head just for what? You don't put a gun in somebody's head just to say, hey, stop moving? Right. Like, come on, man. Now, mind you, again, we're talking about from what the witness said and what witness six says, 
you know, Dupal now walked towards Jones, leaving the witness in his car. I said, I'm taking your shit. He walks towards Jones. Jones says, I'm getting my bike and getting the fuck out of here. The, the cop pulls him back in. They tussle. And you pull out your gun and put it to his head. At no point did he say, again, hey, you're not supposed to be writing this. I'm writing you a ticket. Let me see your ID. Let me see your license and registration. Hey, do you live in the neighborhood? Do you, you know, I mean, there was no conversation. It was an aggressive cop, you know, saying, you're trying to commandeer someone's personal property and then getting super aggressive when, when the resistance came. Now, I put myself in David Jones' situation. I don't know about you, Ike, but I would have resisted that shit too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've resisted less than that. <laughs> I mean, because you got to understand, at, at the end of the day, being a black man, and we, we all know how it go. We don't have, you know what I mean, most of the time, I'm not going to say all the time, because I've had good interactions with police officers. Yeah. But, I mean, for the, you know, for the majority of the interactions that go on between the police and black men, and it don't matter if the cop is white or black. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it doesn't end very well. So we always are cautious. You know, we are always have our guard up. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, absolutely. I mean, the same thing. That's why I related so much to the story, because I can understand. I'm minding my business. I'm riding my bike. I'm going to go sell my dirt bike. You know what I'm saying? I'm, out here, I'm not out here selling drugs. I'm not trying to do nothing wrong to nobody. I'm trying to make some money to help provide for my family. Mm-hmm. And here goes this white cop telling me, you know, get, getting out of his car, telling me, hey, come here, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really? Straight with the disrespect, right? I mean, from the door. Like, yo, I'm taking your shit. I don't give a fuck who you are. Where you going? What your deal is? I'm taking your shit. Right. I'm taking your shit. Like, first of all, you don't tell a black man you're going to take something from him. I don't care if you're black or white. You don't mm. tell You tell Ike Raw you're taking something from me. You got a fucking problem. Mm. So, so that's the first part. So the second part, uh, the second part of that, you pull your gun out and put it right to his head. Mm. So this is let, let, let everybody know. Who, so that should let everybody know who's listening, who's been, you know, been following this story. The aggressiveness of this officer. When you when you hear these people like Councilman Darrell Clark say uh, he shouldn't be a police officer, when you hear Commissioner Richard Ross say he wish he would have just let it go, they are serious about this. This mm-hmm. man has issues. This man mm-hmm. has issues. Mm-hmm. For him to know he has two children in the back of an SUV unit and you pull out a gun and put it to his head, so mm. wh- who's to say he wasn't going to pull the trigger right there and just blow David, J- David Jones' brains out in front of those kids? Mm-hmm. Come mm-hmm. on, man. Now, now, uh, now again, as, as this uh, document says, the witness was only four feet away in the car. Now, witness three, who we know to be Terrence, we don't know the idea, the ID of witness six, but I'm almost positive, 110% positive even, that witness three and witness six have never met and interacted. They damn sure didn't corroborate their stories with each other. So the document goes on to show that when they interview witness three, Terrence, he says, Pound now took out his service weapon and put it to the back of Jones's head. So you have two witnesses who don't know each other, who weren't in the same vicinity as each other, both saying that that Pound now got out of his car, walked up to David Jones, tried to take the bike. Jones walked away. They got into a tussle. He put his gun to the back of the head, and Jones broke free. So if you watch the video and you wonder why Jones is running as fast as he was, he literally was afraid for his life because this cop had already put a gun to the back of the head for a traffic violation. Unbelievable. Now, for everybody who's out there, I don't give a fuck if you're black, white, Hispanic, Jamaican, Korean. I don't give a fuck what your nationality is. You just imagine you, yes, we, we went through this yesterday. The dirt bike was illegal. How many of us, and I say us, drive on a suspended license? How many of us drive with, you know, suspended stickers, registration not right? 
We don't expect to get a gun put to our head. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So just think about that for all the drivers out here, everybody who's you know I mean drive cars, drive motor vehicles, whatever you drive. Mm-hmm. So just think about that. Mm. That's why, just like Flood said, that's why when you see David Jones running, when you see him looking back and running, like, oh my God, that is why. So imagine a gun just being put to your head, and for the you know by by, by the grace of God, you get away. Mm. You get away, so you don't know what's going to. So you know he's going to start shooting at you. So now it all makes sense to people who said, "Why did he run?" That's why he ran. Mm. I had mm-hmm. a gun to my head. How many of us? I've 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 been robbed before. I've had guns pulled on me. Mm-hmm. Our first instinct is to get out of there, run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because now look, you know, let's let's back it up a little bit, and you know, let's try to paint a picture for the listeners and put them in David Jones's uh, uh, state of mind, right? So you're not necessarily doing anything illegal other than riding this dirt bike maybe you have this illegal gun or this gun that you couldn't have bought yourself because you he was a felon um but at the time he wasn't committing an active crime or at the very least wasn't endangering anybody i should say so he's he's pulling over into uh the a parking lot his bike appears stalled for whatever reason he pulled over he's just sitting sitting on the sidewalk with his bike maybe trying to get it started back up whatever maybe he's going to call for tow and all of a sudden, you get this cop gunning towards you, coming across lanes of traffic, and he parks his car four feet away from you, right? Like, you don't know what's going on. You see a big black guy, because Terrence is big and black. You see him in the back seat with the window rolled down. You know, he hasn't identified himself. You don't know what's going on. The cop walks up to you and says, I'm taking your shit, and puts his hand on it. And Jones is like, nigga, like, what the fuck you mean you're taking my shit? Who the fuck are you? You know what I mean? What law did I break? What's going on? Like, they identify yourself. What's what's going on? They get into a little tussle, and within a couple seconds, you got a fucking gun to the back of my head. You goddamn right. I'm going to get out of there as fast as I can. Can I put him in David Jones' shoes some more, Flat? Go ahead. This is how David Jones got to that point, and it's evidence to prove it. The bike that he was on, it was for sale. He was going to go mm-hmm. sell his bike. It was on mm-hmm. Craigslist. Somebody mm-hmm. gave him a, a reply to the, hey, I want to buy the dirt bike. He said, okay, I'll meet you. That's where he was going. He had his gun. Mm-hmm. And he bought the gun because why? We know. How he many people he might get robbed? Exactly. How many people have been robbed for meeting somebody on Craigslist? How many people mm-hmm. have been murdered for meeting mm-hmm. somebody trying to sell something on Craigslist? So he was trying to defend himself. He didn't have the gun to go out and say, I'm going to go rob somebody and kill somebody. I'm going to take this gun because, hey, I'm going to go sell my dirt bike and I know how the streets is out here. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. So let's be real. Let's be real about it, man. So we're not going to sit here and keep trying to paint the picture like David Jones was some deranged criminal selling drugs on the corner or just out waving a gun around trying to kill somebody. That's not what happened. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. what happened. It just so happened he was going to go sell his dirt bike. The picture was posted of the person who commented that day, that time he left about a half an hour later, left his house to go sell his dirt bike to that person mm. and ended up encountering, encountering this killer cop. Mm. So we know that Jones, uh, we're going you know, back to the document. Jones stopped pulling away, but the tussle resumed over something in Jones's waistband. Although uh, witness three testified he never saw anything there. Uh, witness three begged Jones to be still, repeatedly saying, don't do it, so the officer would not hurt Jones. It's interesting that the grand jury notes is different from the original reporting where they were trying to say, the witness was saying, don't do it, bro, don't do it, bro, as in reaching for the gun. Witness three says he never saw a gun. He was telling him, don't resist, don't resist. Jones then broke free of Pownow 
who had his arm wrapped around Jones's body from behind and something like a beer hug as Jones ran. Witness three saw Panel draw what looked to be a gun and heard a crackling noise. So this is also an interesting part of the uh, story. The witness and his children are testifying that Panel had a taser and that he shot uh, and discharged the taser on Jones first, but that he, he, he didn't uh, uh, fall. He only stumbled and didn't collapse and he kept running. Panel threw down the taser, pulled out the gun again, uh, it jammed and then fired. Um, the the uh, um, the investigative unit at the police department was saying Pownow wasn't assigned a taser. He wasn't trained to have a taser or whatever. There was no way he would have had a taser on him. But even the youngest child, or excuse me, the, the eldest child who was in that car, the daughter, also testified to seeing a yellow black, a yellow and black taser, and it sounded like you know electrical wire was shortened out. Uh, is how the kids describe it. Um, so they heard at least three shots. When they saw the gun, uh, Witness 3 jumped un, uh, in the car. Uh, uh, I should say ducked down in the car to, to uh, cover his kids. That He said they heard three shots. Now, um, the uh, introduction of the summary grand jury's findings says, during the altercation, Pownow attempted to shoot Jones, but his, jun- his gun jammed. Excuse me. Jones broke free from Pownow and ran back towards the intersection where a number of cars were now stopped or slowing down for the red light on Whitaker. Video recovered from the scene shows Jones' hands were empty as he ran and that he never turned or gestured in a threatening manner towards Pana as he ran. As Jones ran, Pana fired at least three shots towards traffic, aiming at Jones's back. After the first shot, after the first shot struck him, Jones stumbled but kept running. After the second shot, he collapsed to the ground. The second bullet tore past his spine, lung, aorta, and esophagus, and finally lodged in the bacardial tissue just outside of his heart, killing him. Jones' body was searched at the scene, and no gun was recovered. I'm going to move on a little bit, and I'm going to get your reaction to this, Ike. Uh, Jones's body was released to the medical examiner, uh, and this just, you know, just want to give people warning. What I'm about to get into is very graphic. D- David Jones is in a lot of pain when he died. Uh, and I'm hoping that he wasn't alive long because according to the medical examiner, she says she found that he had been shot twice with the first shot traveling through his buttocks and exiting through his groin while the second bullet fired by Paranal, the fatal shot, entered his back and never exited. The first bullet went through his ass and out his pelvis area. And that wasn't the kill shot. So can you imagine how much pain he had to be in to, but and continue to run? You can see, if you watch the video, you see the first shot. That's when he went down, and then the mm-hmm. video stops. So mm-hmm. that, was the one, that was the one that shot him in the, in the, in the buttocks, mm-hmm. and then the second shot took him down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's, if people listen to what you say, People know the facts. These are facts. We're not sitting here just rambling nothing on. These are eyewitness accounts of what happened. This is not, you know, someone. This is uh, grand jury testimony. Right. This is grand jury testimony from eyewitnesses that were on the scene. Eyewitnesses like Terrence. Eyewitnesses like other police officers, which we Mm -hmm. told you guys yesterday. Mm -hmm. So we're not making this up. This was not a traffic stop. This was a police officer who was supposed to be taking two children and their father to the SVU unit. He wasn't even in his right district. Mm. So, David Jones' body was found, no gun. No gun was on David Jones at his time of death. 
as you heard Flood read from the grand jury testimony of the witnesses, when David Jones ran, he did not turn to threaten Ryan Powell now, as you, as you just heard, he had a gun pit to his head. So just think about this again. I'm going to say this again for anybody who's going to listen to this. Think about you having a gun pit to your head, and then you just so happy to get away. Mm. What, what, what is your next move going to be? You're going to keep running. You're going to look back like I'll see the video, and I'll post the video again today for everybody who wants to see what we're talking about. Mm. This is fact. This is fact. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, speaking of facts, uh, the, one of the witnesses, the, the first witness, uh, witness one, one of the officers tried to say that Jones drew uh, that that the witness Terrence told him that Jones th- drew down on the officer uh, when Terrence got before the grand jury. He insisted that he never saw Jones with a gun, and that the first time he saw the firearm was after the shooting. It appears that the grand jury believed Terrence more than they believed the first. Um, the first officer um, witness one and two uh, as well as, as others appeared back on the scene because after the shooting, Ryan Panow uh, radioed for backup uh, Two of those cops got there and realized and recognized David Jones as the guy that they had written by uh, rolled by early. Can you imagine, right? You, you know, you, you, you're, you're those two cops. You see David Jones, you're like, eh, you know, whatever, let's keep riding. Then, you know, 10, 20 minutes later, you get a call for backup. You come back around and you see this fool just killed the guy that you just decided you wasn't going to pull over. Man, that's deep, Flood. I mean, you know that's, what I'm really, saying? that's really riveting. I mean, the way you break it down, because these cops, just imagine how they felt. I mean, let's mm. be honest with it. Like I say all the time, every police officer doesn't wake up in the morning wanting to kill somebody. Mm. But some of them do, unfortunately. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we got to understand that for those two officers that just drive past David Jones, you know, just say, hey, you know what, I'm, come on, he ain't doing that. Ain't about that. We got bigger fish to fry. Mm. And then, just like you said, they get a call. Wait a minute, dirt bike. Wait. And they come back and say, well, that's the guy we just seen. And then they got to understand that, wait a minute, you're not even, okay, you're a fellow officer, but this is not even your district. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you took this man's life in our district when we just rolled right past him, could have gave him a citation or whatever, took his bike but we decided to let him live his life. Mm. Um, let's see. One of, the, one of the other interesting things in here. Oh, so Ryan Pan, I tell, told the, uh, the first responders and, you know, the, the people who showed up on the scene that he had only fired his shot. Uh, he had only shot a, uh, one, one shot. He had only fired once. Um, they said witness five recovered 13 rounds from Pownow's gun. 12 in the magazine and one in the chamber. Panow's firearm had a magazine with a capacity of 17 rounds with the space for an 18th round in the chamber. Uh, the grand jury goes on to assert that Panow's account of firing once is inaccurate. The ballistic evidence collected at the crime scene, medical evidence from the medical examiner's officers, and video evidence of the incident established multiple shots. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's really the grand jury saying you full of shit. Right, absolutely. You're lying through your fucking teeth. Right. I mean, anybody with common fucking sense. I mean, how could you shoot one time when, you know, the man has two bullets that went in his body? Mm. You know, God knows what other bullets went to. I mean, you mm. know, God forbid one of those other straight bullets would have struck somebody else, you know, coming up on the light at Whitaker or going mm-hmm. past the light, you know, through Huntington Park. Mm-hmm. So this we got to take all this into account as well, that this officer, this ex-killer cop 
had no regard for human, anyone's life at that time. Right, because no, we, as I said, he shot towards traffic. If you watch the video of David Jones running, he's running towards the open street. He's running towards he's running towards um, Hunting Park Avenue. He's on Whitaker. So right. Hunting Park is a very big street. It's a two. It's a four lane. It's two lanes going both ways, going east and west. So that's four lanes of traffic mm. that he shot into. As Police Commissioner Richard Ross said when he fired Powell now on seven, uh, September 7, 2017. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about he said he shot 30 feet away into traffic, Flood. Mm. And people were walking past as well as driving. Mm-hmm. That's a busy mm-hmm. intersection. Mm. So it was interesting because, you know, uh, Larry Krasner, the district attorney here, mentioned that Ryan Powell now told the officer who first arrived that Jones threw down the gun in the middle of the struggle, that he threw down the gun. Right. And that's the main thing that people, you know, really didn't understand until the grand jury testimony came out. Ryan mm-hmm. Powell now told one of his fellow officers that David Jones threw the gun down and ran. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you knew that at the time that he threw the gun down and ran, why are you shooting at this man in his back? Mm. Yeah. What people don't realize, Ike, is that they found David Jones's gun, but they found it 25 feet from where the struggle occurred behind the SUV. So that would suggest that David Jones didn't just drop the weapon, but that he did like a toss, like he tossed that shit. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what happened, Flood, and you okay. know, I've been saying this from day one. I've been in those situations. Well, the first thing we're trying to do, we can get the gun off us and throw it somewhere. Good. You ain't finding it on me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It ain't mine. Look, you found that over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I ain't trying to kill you. I ain't trying. Last thing I'm trying to do is kill a cop, shoot a cop. Mm. I'm trying to get this gun off me, huh? Just like you say, yeah, get this out of here. I'm going to throw it over there. And that's what mm-hmm. went down. But that would mean that in between their struggle and him running, that he had enough time to break free stop, turn around, and toss the gun, and then turn back around and run. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking that he, I'm thinking that the gun was already tossed. I'm thinking when, you know, Powell now came up on him, I'm thinking, you know, he got off the bike, you know, that's when he put the gun to his head because when he felt, he said he felt his waistband allegedly and felt the gun on his waist. Mm-hmm. So at that time, you know, he quick bang, put the gun, don't move, don't move. You know, that's when the, the, you know, the struggle ensued. Now mm-hmm. I can reach and get this gun off me. How would the gun get off me? He's going to get off me. I got the gun off me now. Now I know I don't have a gun on me. I'm good. I got to wait. So you're, saying, you're saying once he once Pan out felt that gun, Jones realized he needed to get it off of his person, and, and that's when he threw it. Mm. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. once he grabbed it, he grabbed it. He know I'm armed. He know I got the gun. So he got the you know he got the up on me. He a cop. So you know anything else from here? Hey, it's even me or him. But I'm not mm. trying to kill him. So I'm just trying to get the gun off me. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's hence to what the witness Terrence was saying. Don't do it. Don't do it. A struggle. Because Terrence, just like you say, i never seen no gun. So he don't know right. David Jones had a gun. He's not telling him to pull out no gun. He's just saying, look, chill, chill. Don't do it, bro. Don't wrestle with him. Don't fight with him. Mm-hmm. And that's how I went down. But David Jones felt the gun. He know I don't got the gun on me. I don't feel the gun on me. All right, the gun off me. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm running. I'm running. Mm. But the but, but killer power now don't understand that. If David Jones could have just said to him, look, I don't have a gun. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm chilling. Look, I turn around. I'll let you cuff me. Mm-hmm. He would have done that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it didn't go like that, man, because he already put the gun to his head before he even knew he had a gun on him. Right. 
Say that again. Because so I don't even think people understand that. He put the gun to his head. He Ryan Powell now got out of his SUV and put the gun to David Jones' head before he even asked him any questions or even felt his waistband. Mm. So if you already put the gun to my head, I know I got a gun on me. Mm-hmm. You're gonna kill me. So let me get let me get let me, I'm, I, I don't want to sh- show you I'm reaching for this gun. None of that. I'm just trying to get it off me. Mm-hmm. Now once it's off me, I'm out. I, I got a way. Oh man, I'm out. Fuck it, I'm leaving. He's going to see the gun over there. He, he, he just want the gun. Go get the gun. Leave me the fuck alone. But no, mm-hmm. you come shoot me. I'm running. That's why he's looking like, what the fuck? This thing is still coming. Now, the grand jury writes, it says, during the walkthrough, Officer Poundow told Witness 5 the following, that he saw Jones driving erratically and cut across all lanes of Whitaker Avenue, that he pulled into Casa de Espanana a lot to address it with Jones, Jones refused to answer his questions about why he was driving like that and turned sideways away from Pownow. Pownow then got out of the vehicle to stop and frisk Jones. When he patted Jones's down, when he patted Jones down, he felt a firearm. He attempted to get the firearm and a struggle ensued. He was behind Jones at one point and then somehow ended up beside him. Pownow attempted to fire his weapon while the two men were struggling, but the gun jammed. Pownow racked his firearm to clear the stoppage and then fired again. Pownow further stated that Jones headed south towards Whitaker Avenue and fell, at which point he went over to Jones to frisk him. At that point, he didn't know where Jones' weapon was. He offered no, he being Pownow, and here's a very, a very important part. He offered no explanation for why the firearm found in a parking lot was over 20 feet away from where the struggle would have occurred and in the opposite direction of Jones's flight. Mm, 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 mm. 20 feet away in the opposite direction behind the car. <sighs> I mean, that is so egregious. This is, I mean, this is more than egregious, Flood. This is really, I mean, it's, it's, it's the word I, that I use a lot is disgusting, but mm. it's, you know, it's worse than disgusting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I need people to understand the people who have, well, he had a gun. Well, why do you run? Like, this makes no sense. We've explained it to you now. Listen to us throughout this week. You understand that what led up to everything that led up to what it led to. So, in the conclusion of the testimony by the grand jury, they say, when Jones redoubled his efforts to get away, Panow attempted to shoot him. When Panow's gun jammed, he had to use both hands to hold and rack it and then refocus on the now fleeing Jones. I want to stop there, but there's something else that they say that's really important, but I want to just focus on this. When Pownow's gun jam, he had both hands to hold and rack it and then refocus on the now fleeing Jones. So at this point, they're saying Pownow is getting in stance. He's focusing and taking aim. He knows that that Jones is no longer a threat to him. He's fleeing in the opposite direction, and he takes a shot anyway. That's why he's being charged with murder. Because in that moment, when he when he cracked racked his gun and then refocused on Jones, he intended to kill him. Exactly. That was the intent. Right. Uh, the grand jury goes on to say, if, as Pownow later stated, he knew that Jones threw the gun away, there was no reason or necessity for Pownow to shoot Jones, let alone fire at his back until he went down. For no reason, 
Pownall fired his gun in the direction of traffic, endangering other people. Jones was no danger to anyone in his flight. His death was not necessary to secure his apprehension, an apprehension that would have never started if Pownall had not incited the confrontation. The grand jury ends their report by saying, based on the evidence that we have obtained and considered, which establishes a uh, prima facie case, we, the members of the 29th Philadelphia County Investigating Grand Jury, recommend that the district attorney or his designee institute criminal proceedings, uh, excuse me, or his designee institute criminal proceedings against defendant Ryan Pownall and charge him with the following offenses, criminal homicide, criminal homicide possession of an instrument of crime, recklessly endangering another person. Beautiful. And, and for me, the, the, the biggest thing out of this report was Pownall admitting to the with one of the cops, one of the witnesses, that, that he knew Jones had threw the gun. And I believe that because for the gun to be 20 feet away in the opposite direction, he would have had to witness that gun being thrown. There's no way that that gun can be thrown that way and he never saw it. Right, and that's the reason that he felt so comfortable because he knew he knew David don't David Jones didn't have the gun on him, so that's why he knew. All right, let me hear killing now to go the gun over there. He knew, mm-hmm. he knew. That's why he did what he did. You put both hands on the gun, you aim, you got everything right. I got him in clean sight. Let me gun him down. So let me ask you this: If if this is the case, if if what we're saying is true, if what the grand jury is saying is true, why did Ryan Panow want to kill David Jones? What, I mean, like, try to put yourself. I know it's hard. But put yourself in Ryan Pound's shoes. Why would he want to do this? Because uh, he has a history of doing this, Flood. I mean, you got to understand this man has, you know, we'll get into that, you know, throughout the week as well. But this man has a history of doing things like this. Why did he shoot Cardinal Williams Cardi the same way Mm -hmm. as he ran away from him? Mm -hmm. So he's been a police officer for what, I think about 12 years? Yeah. I mean, who knows how many other people he's done this with and keep getting away with it. When you get away with certain things, when you're out here being aggressive to black men and then you get into a struggle with them, you lose the struggle. So now you're more angrier. So now that makes you want to be more violent. And that's what happened. You get into a struggle. You lost the struggle. You see a gun. The gun is over there. Now you know, okay, I got one up on him now. So, mm. I, I mean, the bottom line is this. At the end of the day, Ryan Pownow is a killer. Ryan Pownow tried to kill... Carnell Williams Carney in 2010. We don't know how many other people that he did murder that we don't even know about. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't mm-hmm. know how many other people that he uh, you know, attempted to murder that we don't know about. And, it's, and, it's, and to your point, Ryan Pownow uh, 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 not only had a history of, of doing this when he did the Carnell Williams Carney, but he was on the DA's do not call list, which was with 29 other officers who were deemed too corrupt by the district attorney, Seth Williams, who himself was corrupt. When you're too corrupt for Seth fucking Williams, you know you are worth shit. You know what I'm saying? You're on a do not call list with 29 other cops and you've racked up more civilian complaints than anyone else in the department. But you got to put it in the right context, Flood, as they keep saying. Uh, He had double the amount of each officer in the city of Philadelphia. Mm. So let that sink in, uh, ladies and gentlemen. One cop had double the amount of every officer complaints filed against him. Mm. And it's over, what, 6,000-something police officers mm-hmm. in the city? Mm-hmm. So come on, y'all. This is, this is ridiculous, man. This guy like, is, again, like the, he should never have been a cop. And the fact that he has the audacity to want to uh, uh, try and get his job back, 
You know what I mean? To try and go through arbitration. The unmitigated golf. The unmitigated deal. <laughs> and I, I want to read uh, just from the uh, piece. This is on Philly Weekly. Uh, our article published in mid-August uh, said new records obtained by city and state PA and Philadelphia Weekly show that PPD brass effectively ignored the incident. Uh, that is the Carnell Williams Carney uh, shooting that uh, Ike Ross spoke about just a minute ago. Uh, that they ignored that incident, which was an early warning sign uh, indicating Panow's use of force needed closer supervision, along with 30 other allegations of misconduct filed by 15 different civil complaints. Okay? 30 allegations of misconduct filed by 15 civilian complaints made public by the department uh, between 2013 and 2017. So that's just a four-year period. They mm. say these records show Panow drew more complaints than nearly any other 6,300 sworn officers employed by the department. Here we go. A rate five to six times higher than the average cop. Mm. Five to six times. So you take all of that into the aggregate. That, that Ryan Panow had shot Carnell Williams Carney uh, in 2010, that he done late, that he later racked up 30 allegations of misconduct, that he abandoned his witness details to take him to SVU to pursue David Jones, that he aggressively uh, approached David Jones, telling him, I'm taking your shit, and then put a gun to his head, and then later fired upon David Jones, knowing in his own words that David no longer had a gun. This is a despicable human being. He's a fucking scumbag. He's definitely a scumbag. He's definitely the worst piece of shit uh, walking the face of the earth. But, you know, thank God that he's walking uh, the floors of CFCF, the Carran Farm Hall Correctional Facility once again. And, you know, hopefully, you know, he will be there in the Gulf State for the rest of his life because that's what the fuck he deserves to be. So I don't give a fuck about him missing his wife. I don't mm. give a fuck about him missing his family. I don't give a fuck about his family missing him. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck. Think about the families who lives you destroy. Think about that, you fucking piece of shit, while you ride away in fucking jail. Mm. And, and you know, again, you know, and tomorrow I'm excited because we're going to be talking about the protest angle of all this, which is, it's probably probably the, the most interesting piece. People are like, because people saw so much of the protest with you, me, and Asa and others on TV, and we're going to be able to kind of go behind the scenes. But I, I guess just to give them a preview of it, I sw- that's why I was so down, I need to go to this piece of shit house and protest because I didn't care about him. I wanted to bring the raft to his front door. I didn't want him to be safe and peaceful in his neighborhoods, given all the hell that he caused in ours. This is the kind of motherfucker who leaves his well-manicured neighborhood in Northeast Philadelphia, come to the quote-unquote hood, fuck with all the black and brown people, and then go back to the Northeast to live in peace. Exactly. And, you know, what a beautiful neighborhood it is besides that piece of shit, piece of shit living in it. And, you know, I'm glad we went there and protest. And if we have to do it again, like I keep saying, we will do it again. Because just like you say, Flood, this is someone who should not be comfortable in the city. This is someone who, frankly, should not be walking the face of this earth. Mm. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, and, you know, at the end of the day, we have to deal with people like this in society. So when you have people like this in society, my motto has always been make them uncomfortable. Let them know how disgusting they are, let them know how filthy they are. Anybody who associates with them, family included, let them know as well. And it does not stop until he's going to be rotting and way in jail like the fuck he's supposed to be. And that's how the fuck I feel about him too. Mm. 
So uh, I want to wrap up with saying, with, with pointing to this in this out in this article again that said, uh, um, let me let me just let me move up and start um, to give a little bit more context um, in this article. It says the suspect who had a lengthy rap sheet. Oh well, let me let me start here. Seven years ago, Philadelphia police officer Ryan Pownow was pursuing Carnell Williams Carney, Carnell Williams Carney on foot through the streets of the city's Frankfurt neighborhood. The suspect, who had a lengthy rap sheet, had been carrying an illegal firearm when he saw Pownow and his partners closing in. He tossed the weapon and ran. So far, this is almost identical to the David Jones situation. I mean, identical, right? Exactly. That's always the story. During the chase, police opened fire. A single bullet struck Williams Carney in the back, permanently paralyzing him from the waist down. Investigators would find 10 shell casing from seven different guns littering on the ground. But Pownow later testified that he fired the round that hit Williams Carney. In the ensuing lawsuit, the officer said he didn't see the suspect drop the weapon and thought the man would turn and open fire. The jury ruled the shooting justified. So again, following the same script that he would later uh, 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 bring up seven years later when going with David Jones. Um, regardless of that outcome, the Philadelphia Police Department's own policy states that the near-fatal shooting should have been a red flag, an early warning sign indicating Pownow's use of force needed closer supervision. So last week, Ike, you and I had a press conference after D.A. Krasner announced the indictment. And one of the things that I said to the press was Ryan Pownow killed David Jones, but Ryan Pownow was viciously enabled by the city of Philadelphia, the local government. This article points to that, that there was no kind of apparatus to look at what he did with that Carnell Williams Carney shooting, the Carnell Williams Carney shooting and says, Let's take a deeper look at this guy. There was no point between 2013 and 2014 where he racked up all these complaints where the police advisory commission or internal affairs said, hey, I think we have a bad actor on our hands. It took the killing of uh, David Jones, a 30-year-old hardworking man and a father to a young boy to, to make the city take a look at this guy, to make the city council president say he should never be a cop, and to make the police commissioner say he, he exercises bad judgment. This is what happens when you breed indifference, when you just shrug shit off, when you don't care, when you don't second guess police, when you leave them to act as an island unto themselves, they become bad actors and that, that, that evilness, it becomes pervasive through the society and then people get killed right away one and away. Right. I mean, time and time again, we say it. I mean, it's the good old boys club. They protect each other. I mean, it goes way back, you know, from, you know, years and years and years ago. Flood, I mean, a cop kills someone, you know, they're on desk duty. They leave, they get their job back. You know, we see it time and time again. I mean, it mm. happens all the time. You have any last words on this piece of shit? Because I, like, I feel like I need a shower now after talking about him. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know. Well, I, I, once again, I just want to say, you know, Ryan Powell now, you know, he's currently, you know, locked away in CFCF uh, on State Road in Philadelphia. Uh, he's 23-1. and one. He's in a cell, as he's supposed to be. He's not getting any visits, you know, any phone calls or anything like that right now. And, you know, I hope that he's crying every night like mm. he was. You know, I, I would advise everybody to go see his mugshot where you see his eyes were so red because he was crying all day. You see his mm. eyes staring out and everything like that. He got a nice haircut. I, I, I guess he thought he was going to get a haircut, go turn himself in and be home later on. But I, I, I don't know who the fuck told him that shit. But uh, anyway, this piece of shit is, you know, he's been down for seven days now. So hopefully it'll be, you know, seven days will turn into seven months and seven weeks, seven years. Mm -hmm. you know, however long it takes. 
for him to sit in jail and die in prison because that's what the fuck he deserves. You want him to die in prison? You want him to get life life in prison? I want him to die in the streets, but I know that's probably not going to happen. But, you know, I've said that before. I've been very vocal about that. You understand what I'm saying? So mm. hopefully he can get life in prison and he can die in prison as he should. You know, that's that that's, you know, that's that's what should happen to Ryan Powell. I'm looking at his mug shut down. You're right. He got a, he do got like no buzz cut and his eyes a little yeah, puffy. Right. His eyes yeah. a little puffy. I mean, he ain't been sleeping because he knew he was he knew his day was coming. You know, oh, yeah, he, he knew. knew on Friday. Look, I got to turn myself in at the right. weekend. You know what I'm saying? No, no, he knew Thursday. He knew Thursday. Okay. Yeah, he knew Thursday. He said, Bay, you know, oh, what the fuck? What do you think? Oh, don't worry about it. You know, just uh, got to go in for a couple hours, you know, talk to the attorney. And Bobby, you'll be home by dinner. Okay, no problem. Mm. Yeah, well, you got a fucking surprise for you, you piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Him, him, and, him, him and the wife, Tina. Tina and the kids. Mm. Oh, Tina. Poor thing. Yeah, poor Tina. We tried we to warn you, Tina, when we came up to your crib and told you your husband was a piece of shit. Right, she didn't listen. Remember we told her when we went to the house. We said, your husband is a piece of shit. How could you be with this man? She didn't listen. Yeah. You know, one of the things, too, that, that I know that you probably feel this way is when I look at pictures of David Jones, you know, I see myself. There's one picture in particular where his hat is backwards. he got a black tee on and his beard is out. That looks like me and you in any picture that anybody can find of us. Right, exactly. You that's, know, that's the whole. Yeah, go ahead. No, just that, that, I mean that's that's a typical look in Philly, right? Black man, over six foot tall, hat backwards, beard. This could have been any one of us. Whether we were riding a legally owned bicycle, a legally owned car, walking to the store. I mean, it doesn't matter. That's what I've been saying from day one, man. Since June eighth, two thousand seventeen, I didn't know David Jones. I didn't know who he was. None of that. And you know, Will Lee didn't get that. That'll start us off for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But just like you said, Flood. It could be any of us. It could be my brother, your brother, your cousin, your uncle, your father, anybody, your sister. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Your, your, your mother, my mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter, man. So we got to understand that this is an epidemic as well. When people keep talking about the heroin epidemic, opioid epidemic, black men being murdered by police, black and brown men, women, children being, being murdered by police is a fucking epidemic, and we need to address it as such. If we want to put people in prison, and give them the death penalty for serving heroin, then these police officers and, you know, just like the you know regular citizens who kill motherfuckers in the streets, they can get life in jail. Give these motherfuckers life in jail. I know the DA in Philly doesn't support the death penalty. We understand that. Mm-hmm. Life in prison is fine with me. Yeah. And I think that's what Christ is going for. Yeah. And he should. Absolutely. He's we'll, we'll... charged on first-degree murder. There's no bail. And if a jury convicts, he's got life in prison. Yeah, it's death penalty or life in prison. Larry doesn't support the death penalty, so the next best thing is life in prison. Tina can make uh, sandwiches and bring them up to him when he has you know, business and stuff like that. You know, I'm sure fat John McNesby is sending some beef and beer, you know, since he like having beef and beers, you know, stuff like that. Well, we're going to talk about shit. the piece of shit McNesby tomorrow and all the things he had to say about us. Yeah, absolutely, motherfucker. Fat motherfucker. Let me let's end this shit because we're getting angry now. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I, well, yeah. How can people get in contact with you? Where can they find you online? Oh, well, listen, you got to understand that you can find Ike Raw online. I'm on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere. Just, man, just look me up. Ike Raw, man. It is what it is. Ike Raw is the 22nd century meteorologist. You got to check him out on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He got his glasses uh, on his shit. Like I am also <laughs> an independent meteorologist for the hood. <laughs> 
time. So you don't have to wait to watch the news. Just go to the page. You can watch the weather anytime. We got to get you a bow tie like Hurricane Schwartz. <laughs> I, you must have read my mind. I was coming out tonight. Fly, oh, you my me God. <laughs> I know about my bow tie. They've seen me with it before. Oh, man. So, yes, follow Ike Raw on Twitter, Ike Raw 1977. He's on Instagram at North Philly Ike Raw. Subscribe to his podcast, Raw Talk with Ike Raw on Anchor, Apple, excuse me, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else podcasts are available. Uh, you can follow me across social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Flood the Drummer. Subscribe to the Drumming for Justice podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google Podcasts, and wherever else podcasts are available. This is day two in a week-long look at the tragic events on June 8, 2017. Uh, that was the day, of course, that Ryan Pownow killed David Jones in cold blood. Tomorrow, we'll look at the protests. And that, mm. and these, this is the movement that made Ike Raw who he is today that, that the public knows. This was his call to action. Is You're going to learn how me and him connected. Uh, the lie he had to tell me to, give it, to, to, tell, to write his story. <laughs> how we developed a friendship over the years, the things we did, and the things that we sacrificed. Um, for this case, including, you know, with all candor, why we're not on the radio anymore. So we'll go uh-huh. in deep into all of that tomorrow. So stay tuned throughout this week. And we're, we're working towards Friday, which is the preliminary hearing uh, for Ryan Powell now at the Criminal Justice Center. Ike and I will be down there and we'll probably be speaking to the press uh, after that. So uh, without further ado, uh, for Ike Raw, until next time, I'm Flood the Drummer and I'm Drumming for Justice. <laughs>